listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. We are talking about the Word. Back to basics, foundationals. Already some of you are thinking, oh, I know all this stuff. But come on, we can't get familiar with the foundations because it's out of the foundations that the height of what our lives can become. Come on, have no limitation and have the opportunity to be all that God destined it to be. So can I get across every location? Can everybody say, Word? Word. One more more time. Word. Word. I like it. I like it. It's so cool. It's like pop, pop, pop. And then at South, it's like pow. You know, there's just so much soul. Word. Like we could could feel that. We could holler that right here. But if you've got a Bible, I want you to go to one... Not one, John. I want you to go to John 1. And we're going to base out of this scripture for tonight. And I just want to say from the outset, what an honour it is for us to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, what God is doing in Melbourne is, is amazing. We're so incredibly grateful. The people God's bringing, as He is in every campus, and even those joining online week after week, we're grateful that God is bringing you. Because you're not just an additional person in the room. You are part of God's plan and His purpose for us as a church. And we're so grateful for that. And He's doing amazing things across all of that life is touching. But I also want to take a moment to, while you're opening your Bibles to John 1, I want to take a moment to just say how honoured we are to have the senior pastors that we have. I would not be here. My wife and I would not be married. We would not be doing what God has purposed on our life to do if we didn't have pastors that believed, released, and empowered the next generation and all generations. And come on, I think it'd be cool for us to give the heroes of our house, even though they're not in the room. Let's honour. Come on, we're honourers too. Let's thank God for faithful, faith-filled. Somebody say word. Are you ready? In the beginning... The Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everything. Come on, aren't you grateful for that? That His Word does not bring condemnation to everything. His Word doesn't bring rules and regulation to everything. His Word brings light, vision, clarity, an ability to see what couldn't be seen before. And then it says, the light shines in the darkness. It just doesn't shine in Christian clubs, in little areas where it's safe. No, it shines in the darkness. Come on, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Come on, that's worth putting your hands together right there. Come on, light always penetrates darkness. Darkness never penetrates light. Father, right now, as we open your word, I pray it be transformative. Even though that's not a word, we declare it a word tonight. It would be transformative. Mm-hmm. And I get back to what you wanted me to say in Jesus' name, everybody said. Hmm. I often say to those At the end of the service, every service we have, we always give people the opportunity to respond and pray the greatest prayer that can ever be prayed when a heart connects to Jesus. The moment where someone doesn't go just about hearing about a God who loves them, but discovers for themselves, God loves you. 
It's not exclusive, it's truly inclusive. That no one is outside the parameters and the reach. No one is too far off. No one is too broken. Nobody has done too much wrong that God can't rescue them, wrap them up in His grace and show them, come on, my purpose and my plan hasn't changed. Let's just get going. From wherever you start, it's time to move forward. And then at the moment after that, we always say to everybody, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go to the information desk and grab a Bible. Anybody heard that? And every time we do that, most of the time while I'm at home in Melbourne, often I'll say the reason we want to give you a Bible is because it is the greatest material possession you can own. It is the greatest material possession you can own. But somebody just said, you know, but I just got the new Dustbuster. That's a pretty amazing thing to own. I got just the latest Audi. That's a pretty cool thing to own. We just bought our first home. That's a pretty cool thing to own. But this, I believe, is the greatest material possession that we could ever have. This here word sets people free. Come on, this here word has the power to release people into purpose. This word here breaks the limitation of mindsets and starts to let people loose in the reality of what He destined from the beginning of time. This here word determines true identity. And this word here denies the devil and his destructive plans. Can I get a holler? Come on, when we stray, this word tells me that He's the good shepherd that's always able to lead me home. When we're shaken, this word tells me that He is unshakable, so I just need to put my hope in Him and not in my circumstance. This is the one that tells me regardless of how hopeless I am, there is always hope. Come on, it's His word to the broken that doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you're broken, but it actually says, I'll comfort you. I'll confront what you're going through, but you've got to realise I'm going to commission you forward from where you currently are. Come on, it's a word that declares regardless of how you're hurting, our God has healing. I love the Word. It's the greatest material possession that we can have. Not to mention it's got the answer to every single situation and circumstance in our life. Come on, it's got the answer to the marriage challenges. It's got the answer to your business. It's got the answer to areas of finance. Come on, it's got answers to the areas of identity, friendship, loneliness, loss, success. Come on, it's even a great advocate for coffee. Who knows? It's got a whole book read on Hebrews. Hello, I can't actually believe, I actually can't believe that still gets laughed. That is a really old one, right? Seriously, people online, it almost, don't, please, don't just connect. I'm honest, that was, I'm not going to do that one again. But seriously, it's, it's, it's good, it's good. It's got the power to save. It's the power to save. It's the power to break religion. Come on, has the ability to set a heart free. You might be sitting in this auditorium right here. You might be watching online or maybe over in Australia and you found yourself at a baptism service where you got a loved one getting baptized. And we're so proud of those who are getting baptized tonight and all the people that got baptized last weekend here in New Zealand. Just amazing. But you might be sitting there. I want to tell you that His Word does not want to bind you up. It wants to set you free. This is called the book of life, not the book of death. This is called the thing that can enable you to be more than you ever dreamed possible. And not about you becoming someone, but about you being all that God planned you to be in the first place. But a good question to ask, and I want to have a little bit of time here, but a good question to ask would be, well, how do you know the Bible's true? Not only is it because hundreds of people around you have been going yes and amen, because not only have they heard it, but they've experienced it for themselves. But it's a good question to ask. How do we know it's fact and not a whole lot of fairy tale? Well, the Bible is the Word of God because it is something that we call, has been written by something that we call divine 
inspiration. Divine inspiration basically means that God spoke through the authors of each of these books. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, As all Scripture is God-breathed, not man-breathed, God-breathed. There were 40 authors that put this book together over thousands, a couple of thousands of years. Yet they don't contradict each other. Even though there was uh, three different languages, they all align perfectly. It's unbelievable how this has been fashioned together. And we would know that when you look at the reality of the truth of this word, that, that no human could ever do that in their own ability. It had to be led by God's Spirit. And God's Spirit spoke in time to create something that would be there for all of time. See, the amazing thing is, is that 2 Peter 1.21 puts it this way, Prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit capture this thought that God dropped into my spirit. Amazing to see that even in the alignment of that, that everything needs God's spirit upon it for it to be written. Before Jesus was baptized and he came out of the water with the Holy Spirit on him, we only ever read of him. But the moment the spirit came upon him, we read the words he spoke. So even Jesus' words had to have the Holy Spirit on them for them to be penned in the book of life. Isn't that unbelievable? Like I know I'm dumbfounded, uh, but seriously, I, I reckon honestly people are falling under the power of God at North right now. Yep, Johnny's down. Johnny, you're down. It's great. Maybe, maybe get a little bit of a modesty cloth. Your tummy's showing. Can you just maybe hop back up? But, but seriously, archaeological evidence. Come on, you've got to go through filters that don't just turn a blind eye, but you've got to ask the questions. Archaeological evidence. Discoveries have been now been found and confirmed in so many events of the Bible. Come on, even the walls of Jericho, they have found that the walls fell exactly as Joshua declared them to fall. Or even though they said it was impossible, archaeologists have said, actually, no, it did. It fell in the same pattern that it was declared that it fell. Isn't that amazing? Some people would say, but not everything in the Bible has been found. Could I say this? If a ship sinks in the deepest part of the ocean, which cannot yet be accessed by man, does that mean it's not there? Or does that just mean we haven't found it yet? Prophecy, divine insight. Prophecy is to foresee and foresay something before it happens. There are over 650 fulfilled prophecies that are in the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament. An example would be Daniel 2, and he prophesied and he predicted that the next three world empires up to and including the Roman Empire, that they would fall. This was hundreds of years before it happened, yet every single empire fell as Daniel prophesied it would. It is impossible to know that out of human gift. Impossible to comprehend that out of just a statement of, hey, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say that some emperors are going to fall, and I'm going to really hope it happens. I mean, I'm not going to be around to see it, but it would be pretty cool to write down. No, no, it's not flippant. It's not flippant. This is the weight of God's Word predicting that which is yet to come. The Old Testament, completed 450 years before Jesus' birth, contains over 300 prophecies concerning His life, death, and resurrection, and Jesus fulfilled them all. Science. The Bible touches on the matter of science in ways that seem to go beyond the known, 
of human mind and ability. It's amazing in Isaiah 40 that we read about the spreading out, the expansion of the heavens or the universe. Yet secular scientists did not discover such expansion until the 1920s and are still discovering that which was declared in Isaiah thousands of years earlier. Come on, the success that they are having right now in putting two cells together to create a human life does not prove science to be more superior. It simply confirms God as they are only reproducing what He has already created. Come on, sometimes we can hear these things and put these questions out there and we kind of just go blank and we kind of go, oh, well, I don't don't know, just believe. I actually don't think you need faith to believe the Bible. We don't need faith to believe the Bible because it's been proven time and time and time again. There is no historical document that has half the scrutiny nor the accuracy that has been confirmed by the Word of God. Roman history has only 30 copies of manuscripts that were found 900 years later. The Word of God, written 30 to 150 years after the events took place, have 30,000 manuscripts that back up what has been said. So if we're going to deny the Bible, then we must deny every other historical document that has ever been written because it fails in comparison. It fails in comparison. Some of us, our heads might be spinning, but seriously... You don't need blind faith to to believe the Bible. You need a blind faith to think that the Bible is not true. Scrolls. I'm taking more time than I need to, but this is is real cool. This is real cool, right? So scrolls, the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, it would be rewritten so that other people could have copies of it and, and, you know, obviously reproduce it and read it and, and teach the Torah. The Torah would not be rewritten by rabbis. It would be rewritten by people called scribes. Scribes must have known, or they had to have known, that Torah, that five books of the Bible, word by word, off by heart, before they were able to do that. Not only that, they had to know 4,000 rules pertaining to the ability to rewrite the Torah and know them off by heart before they could be a scribe and then be able to rewrite it. If I had a scroll and laid it out, it would not fit on the central stage here. It had, uh, I think I might have it uh, in here, Uh, I don't, but it had over 308,000 letters in every scroll. The amazing thing was, is that even though they knew it, and can I just say those 4,000 rules, those 4,000 laws around rewriting it were to ensure it was one, copied correctly, two, I'm not going to read all 4,000. Some of you just panicked just then. South, you're all like, man, really, one? And we're going to go to 4,000? No, no. Two, it was read correctly. Three, it was interpreted correctly. Four, it was pronounced correctly. And five, it was treated with sacredness. So what they would do, it would take between 2,000 hours and upwards to three years to be able to rewrite one scroll, one Torah. And what they would do is they would have someone writing and they would have someone reading and they were not allowed to repeat word for word. They were not allowed to say, say if they were writing the word Jesus, not that they did back then, but say they were writing the word Jesus or sandwich. You know, I'm just, it's an example. They were not allowed to go, okay, next word, Jesus. They had to say it letter by letter, even though they knew it off by heart, because of the accuracy and the detail they wanted to be, J. And the person would have to write J. E, E, S, 
S. They were not allowed to rewrite or go beyond what the scribe before them was saying. Why? Because accuracy was everything. Why would they go to that detail? Why would they go that far? So that we could stand here thousands of years later and be able to stand on the truth of the fact that this is God's Word. Unmanipulated, uninterrupted. It is His Word. It is what He said. And it is true. So holy they held the Scriptures that they were not allowed to touch the ink on the scrolls with their hands. They could touch anywhere else. And even though that if they touched the ink, it would make the ink embed better and make the scroll last longer, they did not touch it. For even though they were God's people and they were clean, they said to themselves, we are too dirty for the holiness of the words that we're writing. What level of awe and reverence and marvel do we give God's Word? Or does it live on our bedside table, collecting dust? (laughs) Oh no, but I've got it on an app. When was the last time the app was opened? Come on, I'm, 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 I'm in the same boat as you as I'll share vulnerably in a minute. But seriously, we've got to get beyond this point of feeling like, oh yeah, it's the Bible, that's right. No, 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 it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God in light of current times. Come on, this morning, Nadia, and you've got to get the message this morning because they're different, even though we're one, it's two messages. And You've got to get it because it was, it was so powerful. But she was saying the fact is, is that we are in an information explosion generation. Information is doubling every 12 hours, every 12 hours. And if I've got to be honest, come on, the world's ways are whacked up. Like it's getting messed up. I don't know what they're teaching your kids in schools here, but what they're trying to teach in our schools in Melbourne is out of control. They're trying to sexualize children and get them to question and role play at the ages of nine. It's messed up because when you start removing yourself from the foundation of a biblical worldview, illogical things start to take place and things start to get messed up. But it's no, but it feels right and it feels good and we shouldn't break anybody's feelings. Can I ask the question, when did you ever hear Jesus say, how does that make you feel? You may even read the message, but you ain't going to find it in there. He doesn't ask her because he's not concerned about my feelings. He's concerned about my future. And he wants you and I to reach the purpose of God, not reach the pleasure of myself. But it's going to mean that we've got to turn off. And that's what Pastor Nadi's message was. We've got to tune into God's Word, not our will and our ways. Come on, His Word is not suggestion. It's sovereign. His word is not just a source, it's sacred. I recently went to the doctor and I didn't have the man flu, I had the woman flu. So it was serious. And uh, I went to the doctor, he gave me some antibiotics and I found a couple of days later that I wasn't getting better, I was getting worse. And here I am thinking I should be well, but I'm starting to vomit and I'm starting to feel fatigued more than before. Amazing. Amazing to think that even someone who you would trust can prescribe something that makes you worse. The world right now would prescribe to know it all, but it's making people sicker and sicker and sicker. When you read this word, it's not going to make you sick. It might challenge your mindset. It might change the way I've got to think about a few things. It might make me put the bottle down, not now, that's an example. I'm not saying I'm a bottle holder. I'm just saying 
I'm a pastor. And, but it might mean I need, to, I need to talk more honouring around my friends and about my family. It, it might mean that I've got to change the way I'm doing relationships right now. It might mean that what I post on social media has actually got to have a little bit of dignity to it rather than looking at what other people are going to table tap and be like, hey, we've got to change the way we are. What He prescribes for us doesn't always feel good, but it is always good. <laughs> it is always good. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems, seems. Or Proverbs 16 uses the word appears right to a man, but it leads to death. Come on, He has given us life and life to the full. You can trust His word. You can trust His word. You know, um, what can happen is we want the promise without the personal commitment to the process. <laughs> Zion, our son, turned 10, double digits. I still feel 20. He's half my age. <laughs> and, uh, and he got given all these AFL footy cards. He loves them. They collect them and he fills folders and they trade with friends. And he got all these footy cards, packs and packs and packs and packs of them. And anyway, he puts it in the lounge floor and he starts ripping all the packs open, getting all the cards so he can put them into the folder. And, and then in came Easy, his one-year-old brother, crawling in. And who knows, man, brother going to have a field day right here, right? And I'm like, bro, Zai, you should grab all your stuff and you should take it to the table. Then it's out, out, out of reach from Easy. And he's like, nah, I want to do it here. I'm like, all right, sounds good. Like, bad idea, but whatever. A couple minutes later, he's like, Dad, please get easy out of the room. I'm like, it's his lounge just as much as it's yours. Why don't you pick all your stuff up and take it to the table? And he's like, nah, I want to do it here. I'm like, okay. A couple minutes later, he's bawling. He's crying. He bent a card. He always wants to grab the one I'm trying to grab. And I'm like, dude, you can get up. And take it to the table. And in that moment, I honestly felt like the scripture of Psalm 23 came and said, the Lord prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints, come on, my head with oil. At the table, my cup overflows. And what I found is that we would rather ask the Father to get the enemy out of our world than to simply pick ourselves up, take our lives and take it to the table where He wants to do something in our lives that we can't do on our own. And He couldn't finish it because He wouldn't go to the table. So we go to the table. You know, the table in Latin in biblical times, we, I looked it up. What does the table mean? The table is a place of a surface for writing. A surface for writing. The, 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 the Ten Commandments were written on tables of stone. God, in this moment, when we come to the table, what He wants to do at the table is He's prepared a place where He wants to write Himself into our lives. He wants you to be fulfilled. It doesn't say there that there's no enemies. 
But he says, at the table in the presence of your enemies. So don't think, oh, well, I'm going to have no issues. Oh, no, you're going to have issues. (laughs) But he can't touch you because you're getting the Word written into you. You're getting His life scribed upon you. You're getting His promise placed within you. You're getting something that the, the enemy can't reach, nor can he obtain, because His Word has ultimate authority. And it brings transformation. But we don't want to get out of our bad attitude. We don't want to get out of our unforgiveness. We don't want to get out of our prideful ways. We don't want to get out of our compromising areas. We No, no, God, take the enemy away. And He's just saying, get your life and take it to the table. Pick it all up. Yeah, it's going to be hard. There's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be some things you're going to have to stop, things you're going to have to start. But come to the table where I can outwork the promises to be fulfilled and you can fulfill that which you started. (laughs) Amazing, if I can be, um, I've got a few moments, but if I could be honest with you. I'm not a quantity reader. I can't read lots. It takes me forever. We were recently on holiday and I felt like God said, just start reading numbers. I'm like, for real? (laughs) There's just so many numbers. I honestly, in, in five days, six days, I got through like 10 chapters. I was demoral. I'm like, I'm going to crush this book a day. I felt some, in some way more demoralized. But the truth of it is, is, is that it actually causes a lot of insecurity in me. It just hardens me. Imagine having the life where you're called to be a pastor. Kind of important but you struggle to be able to read as much as your heart desires to read. Imagine listening to others in your connect group and leaders and pastors rattle off scripture after scripture after scripture, but I don't have that recall. I just don't. I know it, but I can't tell you where it is, and I'm going to change the words. Not because I'm trying to change scripture. I just don't know them all off by heart. I've got an app. Now, this isn't an excuse. I've got an app that's helping me learn how to memorize Scripture. So please don't say, oh, I'm one of those. I don't have to read either. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what are you reading? Is what you're reading producing life? Is it producing fruit? I might not have got through many numbers, but those numbers spoke into my life. And I've got to encourage us. Come on, whether anyone wants to discourage you, you've got to start to, you've got to start to take ownership. Come on, there's some young people here. You just go, I just don't understand it all. I don't feel like God speaks to me. We haven't got a problem with God speaking. We've got a problem with our hearing. We just got to read it like He's talking to us. He's not talking about somebody else. And real quickly, oh, it's got to be real quick. Real quickly, a few years back, Nadi went on maternity leave with Zion, and I told this story a couple of years ago. A couple of you will know it, but I went on maternity leave with Nadi. Went on maternity leave. I did not give birth. I stayed in the office. And um, and I to be honest with you, I felt like the only reason I was in that office is because of Nadia. She wanted to be a pastor since she was five, and just an amazing call of God in her life. And she's just awesome, and 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 doesn't ever make it about her. But who knows? When you're the husband, you just can't help but be like, hey. She's fine. And, um, and anyway, came this moment where I found myself sitting under my desk. Oh, I'm sitting under my desk and I'm crying, going, God, I can't do this. I know who I am. 
I mean, I struggle to read. Like, I, 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 I write it down and then I can't remember. I've got to write it down again. I'm like, like, and I, I, I don't know if I, I just, and I, this insecurity came up and I started crying and crying. And in that moment, I grabbed my phone and I text three mates who we did life together. And I text them and I said, guys, I'm really struggling. I think this is it. I'm gonna, we're going to give up. It's over. And in that moment, they text back. And I can't tell you the exact words they said, but there was scripture in that. And it didn't speak to my heart. It spoke to my, my head. It spoke to my spirit. See, if, if you're in a position where maybe you're not at the table and, and you're in a dark place, I want to tell you that the Word of God is not penetrated by the darkness. The Word penetrates the darkness. <laughs> For darkness cannot overcome the word. And I am so grateful for friends in my life who did not just say, you'll be right, it's okay, but spoke the word into my life. And even though I was trying to hide from the word, I was under the word. And the word came into my life and it picked me back up and I got on my feet, wiped off my tears, opened my office door back up again. I'm open for business. And I got back, got back to my seat. And in that moment, I said, God, I need to hear from you. I need to know why you've called me to this. And he gave me Joshua 1, 5 to 9. He says, As I was with Moses, Craig, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey my law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left. Oh God, what do you want to do next? I want you to read what I've already told you to do. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to obey everything that is written in it. You will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever. Come on, somebody say wherever. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. See, John 1 verse 2 says this. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everything. What if we didn't see this book as a bunch of principles, but as a person? If I saw it as a person, then I wouldn't just ask the question, what does the Bible say? I would ask the question, what does God say? So many little things would try and disconnect us, make it seem further from us. Oh, that wasn't to us. When he says, you know, I've given you a hope in the future, he wasn't actually talking to me, he was talking to, you know, them. No, 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 he's talking to you. What if we didn't see it as a book, but we saw it as a body? What if we didn't see it as an app, but we saw him as an advocate? And we remove the disconnect that it's actually we're looking at a book, but rather we're looking into the eyes of a loving father. So why don't you come and join me? We've got to remove the disconnect. When I'm reading my word, when I'm talking about the word, it said he existed in the beginning. Gave a personal name. He. Everything is created in him. This was not an addition to the Christian group so that we'd be able to handle the seasons and the, and the trials and the struggles we go through. This was there in the beginning. It's not an addition to the Christian faith. It was the foundation of our faith. It's always been there. 
Imagine if we saw it as every time we open this, we're engaging like this, that I'm hanging with a friend. And not just a friend, but I'm hanging with an advocate. I'm hanging with someone who's speaking into my life. Recently, I found this sticker, prophesy. And every time I look at my Bible, rather than me looking at it going, oh, there's a lot of pages I gotta read. <laughs> I'm actually looking at it going, wow, this is God's prophecy into my life. This is God wanting to speak to me. This is God wanting to shape me. This is God wanting to mold me. This is God wanting to produce life in me. This is God wanting to show me the way forward to help others. And the incredible thing is, is when we engage out of this, Right, Most of the time when we go, God, I wanna hear from you. He'll direct our path to the Word and we read it and we don't have to go, God, is that you? It's His Word. Who else is it? Have you ever thought about this? That when we get to heaven, God's not gonna sound any different. I wonder what God sounds like. What His presence is going to feel like? He's given us His living Word. And I guess my desire today, tonight, wherever you're connecting and watching from and engaged in, is not to make you feel like you better read more, you better read more. We need to read more. It is a very real thing that I'm carrying in my own spirit at the moment. But my heart would desire more that I just want more of Him. I had in my heart that if we had time, we would do a song that declares a touch of heaven. Touch of heaven. I would ask that all of us tonight, at some moment, whether it be the card ride home or when you click offline or Melbourne crew, when people are getting baptized, maybe even, we can sing it. But it says, all I want is more of you. All I want, Sai, is more of you. <laughs> The truth of it is, Sai was one of the three guys I text under the table. And I'm grateful. As Danny said in that vid, the Bible's best read in community. If you're not in a connect group, if you're not in an environment yet, come on, where other people can speak His Word into your life when you don't feel like picking it up or hearing it for yourself. Come on, truth is truth. And whether it comes through your own revelation or other people revealing it to you, get on the table, get under the table, just get the Word into you. See, this is the greatest material possession, as I started, we can ever have. Not because it's a possession, but because it's a person. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.